Hi everybody, thanks for joining me today on Fraser Valley Lifestyle. My guest today is Realtor Mike Wilson. And we're gonna get to Mike in a minute and I will introduce him. In the meantime, as we produce this podcast, the southern part of British Columbia is still being ravaged by floods. Uh, This is Monday, November 29th. And uh, yesterday, the uh, Highway 1 was closed down again as the Sumas River in Washington uh, overflowed its banks again and the water flowed into the Abbotsford area. Uh, If you're looking for ways to help, one of the websites that I look to is CanadaHelps.org. And Canada Helps is a website that lists a lot of different organizations that that help out. And primarily, it's a platform to provide uh, gifts to nonprofits that do these sorts of things. So if you're looking for a list of organizations and you it's on your heart to give, uh, this is a good website to check out. So that's CanadaHelps.org. And thank you to everybody who does that. Now let me introduce our guest for today, Mike Wilson. Mike is actually the publisher of Fraser Valley Lifestyle. He's lived and worked in the Fraser Valley since 1982. He loves playing hockey and fishing, and a new passion of his is collecting wine. Mike has been a licensed real estate professional in the Fraser Valley since 1987. For 21 years, he was with Remax, and in May 2021, he moved to Royal LePage North Star to be a little closer to home. During this interview, we're going to talk about flood insurance. We're also going to talk about interest rates. We're going to talk about a lack of supply when it comes to homes and condominiums and townhouses for sale. And uh, we're going to talk about some new rules in British Columbia that have to do with rescission rights. Now, please help me welcome Mike Wilson. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm talking to Mike Wilson today. He's a realtor with North Star. What's the full name? North Star? Royal LePage North Star Realty. There we go. In, yeah. in White Rock. And you've been serving the White Rock, South Surrey, Langley, Fraser Valley, really, area for quite some time. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not sure I want to admit how long I've been serving <laughs> the valley. But uh, yeah. yeah, actually, I think it's probably been pretty close to 35 years now. So You're an experienced realtor. I'm an experienced realtor and like all good realtors, we never retire. We just eventually fade away. (laughs) Exactly. So we wanted to get together today because there's a number of different things happening um, in the market and uh, probably the one that's maybe on everybody's mind and is the hottest topic has to do with insurance and flood insurance. I was actually watching the news last night. I, I rarely watch the news, but I happened to last night and there happened to be um, a segment on this particular issue of people uh, having their uh, flood insurance rescinded or um, uh, uh, like, I think they said between nine, eight, nine, 10% of people uh, are unable to get it even right now. Um, so yeah, maybe you could just comment on that with the terrible flood that's happened here in the Fraser Valley and up in the Coquihalla region. Um, what, what, how does that impact, uh, insurance? 
Well, it, it's going to, there's probably a number of ways it impacts it. First of all, the disclosure aspect of it when you're selling a property is going to probably shift. So we've always had floodplain as part of our property disclosure statement and as part of, uh, you know, the listings that have gone into the board, but it hasn't really been at a focal point. Obviously, you haven't had a major flood in the lower mainland for, you know, since the 1990 uh, flood that came through, but it definitely will have an effect on that part of it, which is disclosing that you're in a floodplain. And real estate professionals are probably going to be called to the mat unless they are very clear about that. Now, some uh, there's obviously going to be conversation about whether that's a latent defect or whether it's uh, a non-defect. So a latent defect is something that wouldn't be visible to the common, you know, when you're looking at a property. So in some respects, a, a flood zone could be considered a latent defect because an owner uh, or a potential buyer wouldn't necessarily see that. So uh, disclosure of that might become more of an issue. And again, it may be brought up where there's uh, some more specifics that have to be disclosed in the future when we list a property. The other thing that happens, of course, is that we have experienced uh, a big shift in the way insurance policies are put out in strata corporations, uh, strata projects. This probably will bounce over to some of the floodplain properties also at some point. It, to some extent it has. There are people that are out there that think they're insured and they may not be fully insured for overland flood. So that would be a different insurance than if you had a breakdown in the plumbing, for example, and flooded your house. That's not the same type of insurance there. But you're, now we're starting to, people are going to have to actually take a look at their insurance policies and make sure that they actually have, uh, their policy actually encompasses a flood, overland flood. And uh, there is some, some sleuthing going on. Uh, I saw some, an article about, uh, you know, people that are, are the different uh Newspaper outlets were sending reporters to try and see what the reaction was when they were asking these questions. So, you know, again, people are now going to have to go back and make sure that their policies cover that. And some insurance companies may balk at putting on an insurance policy for overland flooding if it's a floodplain property. So, mm. it uh, sort of it was out of sight, out of mind for a long period of time, but it's not out of sight and out of mind anymore. What about disclosure? I have a, this is a really kind of a sad story. I have a friend whose father-in-law passed away. So they went out to the prairies to <laughs> be there with his, his mother-in-law. They got home and they're in Abbotsford and they had a flood, but they're not in the floodplain. So yeah. now they, they get home and they, they have a flood in their basement and they've got to fix that up. Do those kinds of things have to be disclosed? Like once it's, once it's, once they've addressed the issues um, in the future, when they sell that home, do they have to disclose that? No, not necessarily. So if, uh, if there's a flaw or a, a, something that happens, an event in a property, as long as it's rectified and corrected and it's mm -hmm. not an ongoing one, that's not considered a late defect. That's just something that happens. Maybe it's a, a roof leak. So you repair the roof leak, Sure. you know, those sorts of things. Latent defects primarily are ongoing potential problems that a buyer wouldn't see. Okay. Um, you know, so that, that typically wouldn't be considered a late defect. Right. And when that happens and they fix it, it shouldn't impact their insurance, but it, it might, I guess, and when they have to renew their insurance in the future. Yeah, typically people will go through their insurance policy two or three times before the insurance company says, all right, we've had enough of this. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, having said that, you know, so it's not uncommon for a water tank that's older that goes 
And if someone's not home, there could be a problem. So typically your insurance company is there to cover the policy, but uh, things that would be continued or re repetitive, that would potentially create a problem for someone when they're reinsuring. Mm -hmm. We talked about this in September and it seems to still be ongoing and that's a lack of supply. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, not a, there's not a lot of houses and for sale or condos or whatever townhouses or whatever people are looking for. There seems to be, or is it across the board? It seems like maybe there's a lot of condos available, but not in certain, in certain segments, there's not a lot of supply. The segments are the key. So certain areas of the Fraser Valley are much busier than other areas. And of course, as soon as you have lack of supply, then what happens is we get into the multiple offer scenarios where a property comes on the market, pent up interest is there, and there'll be several offers on the property. Uh, so certain segments are definitely more active than others. There's uh, Langley, for example, the Langley area is extremely active because there's very little product. And that's an area that a lot of young families like to go to live in for the, for a number of great reasons. Yeah. And other areas, it's been a little less than that. So the South Surrey White Rock area has a little bit more supply in the condominium market as they're building towers. So there hasn't been as much of that going on. But the big challenge, as you say, in the marketplace is we are not uh, on a balanced inventory to demand. And that's where the multiple offers are coming in. That's why we're getting people that are paying escalated prices and uh, a lot of frustration on the buyer's end. Sellers are happy right now because, of course, they're selling until they actually have to go out and purchase. And sometimes, you know, then the shoe's on the other foot unless, yeah. they're, unless they're moving to a new property area or they're moving to a different investment altogether. So yeah. supply demand is definitely uh, out of whack still. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, unless we see some supply coming in, we're going to continue to see multiple offers for the next little while. Mm -hmm. You had a multiple offer situation recently, didn't you? Where there was like yeah. 15, 15 offers or something. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, again, that's a Langley kind of uh, in the community of Langley, right on the border. And, you know, there, certainly there's a bottom end of the market and there's a lot of young buyers trying to get in at any point, you know, at a certain price is very sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a property that you're marketing in that price point, there's a lot of activity from young buyers and inevitably somebody has a little deeper pocket than a lot of the first time buyers. So uh, yes, marketing that property ended up bringing in 15 offers after a weekend of showings and the home sold for $150,000 over asking price. So, you know, is that good for the market? Not really. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a windfall for the moment for the seller, but they're going out and buying again. Yeah. And, and in general terms, it's really hard as real estate professionals for us to be able to give accurate assessments of market value when people are paying that much over asking price. Yeah. So there is a panic or not a panic. Maybe that's not the right word. There's certainly pressure to get into the marketplace and people are pushing their, their, uh, their, their budget to the maximum. A lot of times with the help of mom and dad, mom and dad are trying to get them out of the house. And so they're prepared <laughs> to help them out a little bit, but, you know, again, not a healthy overall, not a healthy market, not a sustainable market. And again, that goes back to the lack of supply. Yeah. Yeah. There's some new rule changes coming up and yeah. that could have some interesting, uh, could have an interesting impact on the market as well. Right. Like you're yeah. kind of at this point, you're, 
anticipating this rule change. So you're kind of looking in, into your crystal ball, but maybe tell us about the rule change and what you sure. think, how it might have an impact. Well, as we know, the government's spoken about trying to slow the superheated market down. So they're coming up with ideas of how to do that. One of the concepts that they've come up with or that they're working on, and we're trying to, I think the Canadian Real Estate Association is trying to work with the government and discussing it. And that would be that they want to have a, a plan of uh, a rescission period for offers. So if you're buying a property in a new project, for example, brand new project, you're buying from a developer, there's always a clause built into your contracts that gives you a seven day right of rescission. And that gives you seven days to make sure it's the right purchase for you. If it isn't the right purchase, then you have an escape clause built into that. So it, it allows you to walk away from the deal. We've never had that in residential resale, but that's one of the conversations that's going on right now is whether or not that should be put in place for residential resale. So what does that mean? I mean, again, lots of conversation still needs to happen. We, uh, there are pros and cons to all of these things. If you do that in a residential resale, then virtually any of the cash offers, the offers that come in that are non-subject, they would still have a clause in there. So they would lose a little bit of the power of being a cash offer because theoretically, after a seven day or a period of rescission, even a cash offer buyer could walk away from the deal. So that would change the, the again, the, the proverbial cash offer where you've got a final sale or non-subject sale upon pre presentation of the offer. It also brings up an interesting concept of if you're going to have a right of rescission for a buyer in that, does that mean that they're going to have to have a conversation about a right of rescission for the seller? So, you know, it's not always the buyer that has second thoughts about selling their property or buying the property. It's also sometimes the seller that feels like, A, they may have undersold, B, their situation has changed. Um, you know, so there's a variety of reasons why both parties would like to have that in the, in the package. Uh, again, the challenge would be then is it all offers would be up in the air for a period of time with mm -hmm. each party theoretically, or at least one party having an opportunity to walk away. And that needs to be sort of further analyzed, whether that's the way to go or not. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's lots of people that are working from the association as well as with the government to sort of analyze the pros and the cons of it, but it would definitely have an impact. Again, you go back to the one that we just talked about where we had 15 offers. Some of those offers came in with subjects. Some of those offers came in as cash offers. If you put the rescission period into there, the cash offers are now no different than the ones that came in with subjects. So the, the playing field would sort of level off. And so again, is that what the buyers and sellers are looking for? I don't know. Sometimes that buyer is going to be willing to pay a premium because they really want that location or that property. You're taking that ability for them to actually up their offer or make their offer more uh, beneficial to them and the seller. So is that the solution? Again, that's subject to debate. And I know that's an ongoing debate that requires a lot more uh, analyzing than it has had so far. So it's not in place. Uh, we have some information coming to us it looks like there's going to be something along those lines, but it's not for sure. Okay. When do you anticipate knowing more? When, when do you think well, it'll be? I, I think that the conversation is, is underway now. I would be expecting sometime in the new year, and probably in the early new year, that there'll be some more information brought to us. Yeah. And when they implement it, it'd be very interesting to see how quickly they would implement something like this. Uh, but 
uh, I would say that we'll definitely be receiving more updates, sort of the January, February timeframe. And, and I'm saying that off the record or off the cuff because I, I'm not connected with the, to the actual process that's going on. I'm just getting the information that I'm receiving from Korea, which is our association, yeah. and that this is coming. So, you know, I would expect if the government is pushing for this to slow or curb the market, they're probably going to be pushing hard to do that sometime early in the spring. Uh-huh. So if you're thinking of selling, it sounds like it might be better to sell before this happens. <laughs> before well, this it's a great, I mean, we, we go through these trends in the market and either the buyer or the seller sort of has control. So we're in a yeah. seller controlled market and right. mentally the sellers are in a lot of cases are anticipating getting more than one offer and they're anticipating potentially having a cash offer where they, they know it's a final deal. So, it, you know, retraining our brains to realize that we're not going to have those cash offers. It takes a bit of time. And so anybody that's, uh, making a move, let's say to up country or, or to a different location, they're probably going to want to look at that right now and say, you know, there's an opportunity here that may not be existing in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And so, so certainly some people are going to want to make a move prior to the uh, changes we come in. Mm-hmm. And finally, this is always a subject of interest, I think, to people. Yeah. <laughs> it's what's going on with interest rates right now yeah the uh, i mean we have brokers that obviously are a little bit more in touch with that pulse of that but we're starting to hear some of the interest rates going up a little bit we're seeing some increase in interest rates they're still at very historic lows however affordability is still affordability even though they're low people are basing their lifestyle on interest rates and that so we are starting to see some increase in interest rates how much they would change you know, typically when we see increases, there's a little bit of a volatility to it, a little bit of up and a little bit of down, and they, they see what the reaction in the market is. But inevitably, we're anticipating a little bit of an increase in interest rates. I'm not sure how much. Again, it would be more, and even the brokers are still sort of guessing, but it sounds like the Bank of Canada rate, they're trying to push to get a little bit of an increase in the interest rates. So that just changes the affordability when you add that into the stress test as far as what you can afford to buy. And I would recommend anybody that's thinking of making a move, at least talk to your broker and have them pre-qualify you at today's current rates. There's no cost for you to pre-qualify. They'll hold that rate for you for a period of about 90 days. So if the rates go up over that 90 day period of time, there's no sense you'd be paying that. You know, you mm. can actually lock in a rate for a period of time. And if it doesn't happen where you make your purchase, it's not, the, it's not that you're paying any penalty to do that. So that would be the recommendation when we start to see the rates going up. If by some chance the rates don't go up or they go down, you still benefit by that. But right now with the, the trend looking at the way it is, it's probably not a bad idea to get pre-qualified. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So if you're thinking of moving or thinking of buying, um, get, get pre-qualified so that you're, you're, you're locked into what the rates are at right now, especially when there's a, a rumor or an anticipation that the rates might be going up. Yeah, and you can do that either through your bank. A lot of people who have a long history with their bank like to deal with their bank. I recommend a broker mainly because the brokers um, are more mobile. They are, they're actually, they don't get paid unless it works for you. So as opposed to working with someone that maybe is just in the bank on a day-to-day basis. So I, brokers have certainly taken over in a lot of, most of the financing we do now. But either way, if you feel comfortable with your bank or if you feel comfortable with your broker, they are the people to talk to about get, getting pre-qualified. Right on. And I'm sure if people contact you, you could recommend two or three good 
good mortgage brokers to that. Yeah, we're very lucky. There's some great mortgage brokers out there in the industry right now. Some very, uh, they're very helpful. They're very knowledgeable. And again, they're uh, anxious to do a good job for you so that you'll remember them the next time you want to do business. So, and so, yeah, definitely I've got some great people that I've worked with and I can recommend people, uh, uh, brokers to anybody and it, uh, depending on their needs. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So speaking of getting in touch with you, how do people do that? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can send up a balloon if you like. In the air. <laughs> I, that's one way, but uh, I've got a couple of ways you can reach out to me. You can contact me directly through my cell phone. Uh, 604-889-7653. Probably best to send me a text message as I say I can get back to you and help you out with either a broker or give you some direction. Our website is fblifestyle.com. You can reach out to me through the website and you can also reach out to me through email, which is mike at fblifestyle.com. So again, if you have questions for Mike, you can reach him on his cell at 604-889-7653. And check out Fraser Valley Lifestyle at FV, as in Victor, lifestyle.com. Take care, everybody.